Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be with you again today, sharing a little bit about hope and chatting about what that looks like for us today. Anyway, I'd like to, I'd like to pray again real quick before we get started, so bow with me one more time. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we love you and just thank you so much for the continued opportunity that we have and the blessing that we have to gather together to worship you, to hear from your word, and to fellowship and build relationship with one another. Lord, I ask that you would bless the, the reading of your word this morning, that these would be your words and not mine, that your truth would come out. Lord, I ask that you'd prepare our hearts for what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get going, a little tidbit about me for those of you that don't know. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, real big into the sports. So I'm going to start with a little uh, congregational participation. Who likes sports? Yeah? Okay, good. There's a few at least. No hands go up. Ooh, perfect. What kind of sports? You guys want to yell them out? Hockey? Baseball? Soccer? Sure. Okay. I can barely hear what you're saying. I should have thought this through. Masks, plexiglass, but that's perfect. Anyway, I, I have a particular affinity for the three best sports. That's baseball, hockey, and golf. And no, I won't be taking any questions at this time. But uh, in light of that, before we get going here, I've got a little bit of a story to tell you guys. This is about a young man. The story is about a young man who'd spent the majority of his life training to be a professional hockey player. But year after year, this passes him by. Things just aren't clicking for him. And now the year is 1996. He's getting a little bit older. Time's running out for him. And yet again, he finds himself at the high-intensity tryout for the local Waterbury, Connecticut men's hockey team. And after giving everything he's got out there and showing off what he's certain is the hardest shot the coaches have ever seen, the tryout finishes up. He skates off to the side with the others, waiting, anticipating, hoping that he had done enough for his number to be called among those selected for the squad. Ultimately, Happy Gilmore's hopes were crushed that day. And the rest of that day did not go very well at all. But in a roundabout way, it did set him off into a very successful career in golf. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. But though that, that's not at all a real story and based on a classic Hollywood film, uh, it begins to speak just a little bit about that feeling of hope, that anticipation, and it's something that I've experienced in similar situations in my own life. Situations where I was filled with hope for a particular outcome. And there was a time, which feels like a very long time ago now, uh, when I was attempting to become a professional baseball player. And the last tryout I ever attended was in Toronto. And after seven hours, seven or eight hours of getting beat down by the sun and Humid, 35-degree summer weather out in Toronto. Uh, I rested on a knee, finally, with the other young men who had come, hoping that I had done enough for my number to be called to spend some more time with the scouts and stick around for the rest of the day. Uh, like Happy, my hopes were crushed that day. And I returned to my hotel, uh, dejected for what turned out to be the last time in that pursuit. Um, Unlike Happy, I did not launch myself into a lucrative professional golfing career. 
uh, that's, that's not what God had in store for my life, and, and I am okay with that now. But that feeling of being filled with hope, uh, the anticipation I had as I waited, it's something that is hard to replicate, and it's something that few things have compared to throughout life. Yet, it's easy to look around at, at life now, at what's going on in the world. I don't need to look very far to see the terrible things that are taking place pretty much everywhere. You know, many of these have been going on for a really long time. But these last two years in particular have been very difficult. They've destroyed so much hope for so many people and have threatened to snuff my hope out as well. All I see when I turn on the TV, when I read the newspaper, when I hop on social media, scroll through Twitter, Instagram, it's just bad news. Another death, another riot, another business being shut down, and in the middle of all that, people fighting from their keyboards or even sometimes out in the street. And the struggle that I have in this time is searching for hope in the midst of all the turmoil, but it's something that I must do. As Fyodor Dostoevsky once told us, to live without hope is to cease to live. Now, I'm sure that most or all of you have had similar feelings on at least one of those fronts, probably on both. Maybe your personal hope story is not in the context of sports or tryouts. Maybe in your workplace, at your school, or somewhere else in your families. That hope for something that you've been waiting for, something that you've been working toward, something that's been promised to you, something that you don't have yet, but you really hope is on its way. It may not always end the way you envision, but that feeling drives you. It keeps you up at night, but then it helps you jump out of bed in the morning. It gets you through when you feel like you just cannot go on any longer. But now you look around at the same things I do, and maybe some or all of that hope is crushed. And the crash that comes when hope seems lost and when things don't turn out the way that you would like them to, is a hard thing to deal with. But what you feel when you are filled with hope is almost indescribable. You really cannot go on without hoping for something. Now, the, the hope that I've been talking about to start today is a little bit different than the hope that we're really here to discuss. It tends to be dependent on something that you have done or something you will do, it's dependent on hard work and your own accomplishments. But every year around this time, or on Halloween night, if you're my friend Scott's mother, we set up Christmas trees. Yes, it was very startling, I will tell you that. Scared the wits out of those kids, Christmas trees set up on Halloween. But we set up Christmas trees this time of year. We start hearing Christmas songs everywhere we go. We start singing carols. We start singing Christmas-themed music here in church. We shop for gifts for more people than we realize we're related to. And we tend to eat a lot of food. But we gather each year here at church to light these candles and remember what we as, as the church celebrate at Christmas each year. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of hope. But what, what is it that this candle represents and what is hope really? 
And what is it that we have to hope for today? Merriam-Webster defines hope as to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true. Simply, if someone has hope, they would really like what they're desiring or hoping for to physically and noticeably take place. But the hope that we talk about here during Advent is a two-faceted hope. First, it represents the hope of Israel. God's chosen people, whom we read about all throughout Scripture, and their hope was that the Messiah, the man who would deliver them from their oppressors and restore them to their rightful place at God's side at the top of the food chain, their hope was that he would come, that he would show up. They'd received promises and prophecies about him for hundreds of years. I'm not going to read all those recorded now. I'm sure we, uh, we'll hear all of these in the, the weeks leading up to Christmas here, but just a couple portions of what had been spoken to them over the years. Isaiah 7 speaks of the virgin birth and his name being Emmanuel. Isaiah 9 talks about a child being born and the government being on his shoulders. Zechariah 9 tells the people to rejoice greatly as their king will come, righteous and victorious, yet riding on a donkey. So while they may not have fully understood what all of that meant, the Israelites had been anticipating and hoping for the fulfillment of these prophecies for a very long time. And then Jesus shows up, unheralded, but exactly like the prophecies foretold. And while many of them may not have believed that he was the one that they were waiting for, Jesus did a lot more than what they had been hoping for. When that little child came into this world over 2,000 years ago, he brought with him a gift for all people, not just the Jews. Their hope culminated in the arrival of Jesus as a little baby who would go on to pave the way for us to be united with God. Now theirs was a real hope for something that had been promised by a God that they knew to be true. And now... The other side of that hope is what we have through Jesus. And it's been promised by the same God, the same God who has fulfilled his word many times throughout history, both for the Israelites and for us now today. And as I've said, this is not a hope for something that we can find within ourselves, something we can find in our, our circumstances or right in front of us. It's, it's different. It's more robust. A man named James Chandler made the comment that this real hope is not a wish, but confidence in a certainty. And Peter, one of the men closest to Jesus during his time on earth and one of the founders of what we call the church, writes in his first letter to the church about this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-6, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. 
And we now have hope in the fulfillment of a promise made many years ago when Jesus gave his life on the cross for our sin, for the sin of all people, when he was raised from the dead and promised to return to establish the kingdom of God forever. It's the assurance of that hope upon which we stand, upon which we worship, upon which we serve, and upon which we live. We need that hope to carry on as we are reminded in that passage that now for a little while we may have to suffer through grief and difficulty. And I would hazard a guess that like me, all of us have suffered in some capacity already in your life. But how do we know that we can have this hope when our situation or when the situation in the world seems hopeless? This hope that we have through Jesus is not what Merriam-Webster would just call a desire for something that could happen. It is the confidence in something promised by a God who is true to his word and who has already fulfilled his word many times. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 24 and 25, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I'm going to get a little uh, Bible school technical on you guys here. But the, the Greek word in verse 24 that we've translated into hope now has a little bit of a deeper meaning than the way that we, that we tend to use it today. The word is elpis, and it means to anticipate with pleasure, expectation, and confidence. So Paul, what he's really saying here, he's informing us that we were saved in this hope, and it's something we continue to hold on to, patiently waiting, joyful, expectant, and confident that it will come to pass. Whether we are alive here on earth when Jesus returns, or whether we've passed on from this life, we are promised and can have confidence that Jesus is waiting for us on the other side, arms open to welcome us into life everlasting. This hope is something that we remind ourselves of every year during this Advent season, and it's based on the promises of a living God given to us through his Son for the purpose that we're told of in John 3, verse 16 that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I want to take a look at three promises from God in a little more detail today to help us understand what this hope means for us. And God's first promise is that he is all we need. Philippians 4, verse 19 states, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to earth as a man to show us what he is truly like and to give us an example to follow. And as Paul again writes in Romans, he died for us while we were still sinners. He died for all people while they had done nothing to deserve that. He removed the separation between us and God. He paid the price we could not pay ourselves and he rose from the dead providing us with a way to eternal life. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and guide us from that point on. God is everything we need. 
I came across an excerpt from a letter on Facebook this past week. And it was a letter written by a man who is part of the Chinese house church movement and who faced intense persecution. And he wrote this to the, to the people that he shared the house church with on the day that he was arrested and taken to prison for his faith. It's quite long, so I've condensed it a little bit, but he says, Do not keep on crying for me, because I do not have any fear regarding my life. I understand that I am considered to be a disgrace to my ancestors, but I will remain faithful to my Heavenly Father and my spiritual ancestors. I do not weep because of the pain now, but because I know that our sadness will not last long. He has promised us that we will be in his kingdom forever. Believe that one day we will be united with Jesus, and that day will be full of joy. Before long, the earthly church will reap the harvest, and all the earth will shake and shout for joy. Nations will come before him and declare that Jesus saves, and we will be free. This was written by a man who's in prison simply for believing in Jesus, simply for talking about and having this hope that we're talking about today. Yet his heavenly father was all that he needed. The situation did not matter. Nothing else mattered to him. And in light of that, I am confident God will supply everything we need when we need it. He is all we need. And God's second promise is that we have new life through Jesus Christ. And we can look forward to that life continuing into eternity in a far better place than what we have now. 2 Peter 3.13 tells us, But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And it doesn't matter what you've done or what you've said or what's gone on throughout your life. You already have new life the second that you receive this promise through Jesus. And the Apostle Paul was convinced as he writes to us in Romans 8, 38 and 39, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even a criminal who had done enough to be sentenced to death by crucifixion had the opportunity to have that new life that we have today. And this is the love and promise that enabled Jesus to confidently tell that criminal dying on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And God's third promise is his immense love for us. Given through Jesus Christ and experienced through the body of Christ this Christmas season and every day as we wait patiently for his return. And this is a time in our lives when we need the body, this community, the church, more than ever. We've been rent apart by the turmoil in our world and in our personal lives. and We've been disconnected for two long years already, trying in vain to replace personal connection with Zoom calls and virtual high fives. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I strongly disliked Zoom about three days in. And uh, I'm, I'm holding out hope that I don't have to use it too much beyond now. But I came across another quote from a guy named Michael Carl. 
again on Facebook this last week. Evidently, I peruse Facebook for sermon illustrations quite regularly. But he, he talks about the importance of this community, the church, and what it means to us and why it's important. I wanted to share that as we talk about God's love playing out in this community. He says, you can't serve from your sofa. You can't have a community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. Christians are not consumers. We are contributors. We don't watch, we engage. We give, we sacrifice, we encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you, and you need the church. Now, if you're watching this online, don't take offense to that. I, uh, the opportunity we have to hear from God's Word and to be led in worship through technology while you're home now is, is quite simply amazing. And there is a time and place for that, and it's a great tool when you're unable to gather in person or be with anybody else. But with that said, it is very easy in this day and age particularly given what the last couple of years has been like, to simply stay home, to simply stay on your own. It's easy to pull back and not re-engage with others. In this community, whether that be on Sunday, gathering here in the morning, or other times throughout the week, or even phone calls, anything like that, it's easy to avoid gathering together. It's easy to avoid seeing people altogether. But the power of God's love and this third promise is often felt and played out in the midst of regular people, people like you and people like me, gathering together to worship Him, to encourage one another, to grieve with one another, to pray with one another, sometimes simply to have fun with one another and to fellowship together. It's a lot harder to feel isolated, alone, and without hope when we're engaged with others as we walk through life, in the easy times and in the difficult times. And the Apostle John reminds us that we experience this love of God through one another when he writes to us in 1 John, Love one another, for love comes from God. Now, it, it's hard to hold on to hope when you shoulder the burden of the trials of life on your own, and when you're crushed under the weight of unmet hopes, alone. You remember earlier when I said I had flown to Toronto for that baseball tryout? Well, a lot of stress came with that two-day whirlwind in my life. My plane was delayed by a number of hours. There was a lightning storm over Toronto that day. So we sat on the tarmac in Ottawa for probably three or four hours which ended up resulting in about a 3, 3 a.m. arrival at the hotel. And the tryout began at 8 that morning and was about an hour from the hotel that I was at. So needless to say, I didn't get a lot of sleep that night. And then that followed, well, following that was a grueling day under the hot sun. And as the, uh, the ginger redhead that I am, I forgot my sunscreen. And uh, I looked more like a lobster by the end of it. And I did not feel well, I'll tell you that much. But... After the long, hot day came the crushing weight of my failed hope. And I don't think I would have been able to handle all of that on my own. But I was not alone. My brother, 
had taken a couple days off and, and come with me for no other reason than to support me. Well, I did buy him a ticket to the Jays game that night, but I don't think that had anything to do with it. <laughs> but he, uh, he came with me. He was there in the bleachers. He was watching. He was cheering me on. And my wife and my parents were back home rooting for me, calling to check in. And my church family was praying for me and cheering me on as well from afar, welcoming me back when I came home regardless of the outcome. And it took me a long time to get over those crushed dreams and hopes that I had. But looking back on it now, I see God's love at work in those people in my life and in the church, even through what I figured to be the worst day of my life. And there's a lot that I needed to learn and grow into that I most certainly would not have had I continued playing baseball. And God replaced those fleeting hopes that were fully dependent on my own accomplishments with a certain hope that does not fade. And it's not dependent on anything I can do or have done. The hope that has already come through Jesus Christ and remains as we look ahead to when he comes to take us home. So what would a little bit of hope in something other than what you can see in front of your face, what would that do for you? As you all prepare for what I hope is a much more normal Christmas celebration this year, remember the hope that came through Jesus and continues in your life today as you look forward to his return. And consider what that hope would do for someone else in your life. Think about how you can share the promise of hope and love that we remember every year, and in particular this year during this Advent season. And spend some time in the communities in your life that help you experience the love of God. I'm going to leave you guys with an admonishment regarding our hope from the Apostle Paul, again in Romans. Uh, Romans 15, verse 13 states, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And may we be reminded of your immense love for us and the hope that comes with that through your son Jesus not just today, but every day, as we patiently and eagerly await his return. And Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you made in order to give us this hope for eternity. And Lord, if I said anything out of line and that was not from you, may you strike it from my friends' minds. But would you bless each one here and those listening online and renew their spirit and give them hope, the hope that comes through Jesus and carries us through this Advent season and beyond. And I pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.